Today on the Talent Cast, I save you $80,000 a year. No, really, I'm going to do exactly that. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Thank you so much for listening. Quick housekeeping, my last webinar series. Yes, you're getting tired of me talking about it, but I'm not getting tired of doing them. Uh, you're going to want to listen to this last one. I am super pumped for the last one. I'll put the notes in the show notes, but it's all about employer branding. Uh, the best part is if you listen to them, if you sign up for the last one, you can see all six of the recorded webinars. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, you really want to uh, take a listen to them. They're great. Uh, the last one, Audra, who, by the way, I want to give a shout out for giving me a shout out in her uh, episode on uh, recruiting futures uh, <laughs> with Matt Alder. Uh, that was completely uncalled for. And how dare you say those nasty things about me, you jerk, and I owe you more beer. Uh, anyway, the last one was Audra, and it's chock full of Audra Knight from Tenable. Chock full of little juicy tidbits of actual tactical stuff you should be doing right now. Instead of the big picture stuff I talk about for the most part, <clears throat> her stuff is super, super granular and super specific. It's it's super helpful. I've shared it around to people I know because I thought it was fantastic. Anyway, I want to talk about content strategy. Yes, I do. I feel like um, I've been a content strategist for a bajillion years since before the term existed. And I feel like because of that, I kind of, you know, the joke, uh, you know, one, one fish asks another fish, how's the water? And they go, what, what's water? Uh, that's how I feel about content. That's how I feel. I feel like I've been in content for so long that I don't talk about content strategy because it's just woven into everything I do. It's it's part of every element I do, whether it's employer brand or recruitment marketing or uh, regular, you know, regular marketing as if non-recruiting marketing is different somehow, which it is, I guess, for it. Anyway, um, it's just what I do. And so to me, I feel like I talk about it all the time, but the truth is I don't. I don't really call it out. And if you're not a content marketing kind of person, you might be missing some of the pieces. And I wanted to bring them up to the front and say, this is how you should be building a content strategy for your recruitment efforts, right? A very granular, very specific, very hands-on process so I can save you the 80, 60 to $80,000 that an agency would charge you to do this for you. Because the truth is, you don't need to spend that kind of money. Content is one of those magical words that... Um, People have used to charge you a lot of money for something that you should be able to do on your own. Now, the word should is a dangerous wood, dangerous one. Um, it implies that uh, it's easy and it's not. It implies that it's natural and it's not. But it is something you should do because that's how it becomes effective and useful and valuable. So uh, enough blah, blah. Let's get into the meat of the thing. So a content strategy is very straightforward. It's what are the stories you are going to tell? that reveal who you really are. Now, if, if we weren't in recruitment marketing, we'd be saying things like, what are the stories we tell that deliver value? So for example, you're selling a lawnmower, you can say, 
here's stories of people who bought a lawnmower and they never had to uh, repair it for 10 years and they saved a lot of time and a lot of money. And you tell stories about um, Jane or, 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 or Robert or uh, whoever and you talk about how they bought this lawnmower for their house and it worked. It starts every um, spring without fail. It One pull it works. It's amazing. It saves them time, energy, and money. You tell those stories. You talk about how with an attachment it can mulch leaves and with an attachment it can shovel your driveway or I don't know. You, you t- tell stories and the stories are supposed to give value. At the same time, you can tell stories that say, look, if you want to attach your own uh, leaf mulcher, here's how you do it. Here's how you replace the blade on a lawnmower so that it goes from standard grass clippings to a mulching attachment bit. And you say, look, anybody can do it. This isn't something you need a professional to do. Anybody can do this thing. Here, you need a basic wrench and or a set of pliers and away you go. That's all you need to do. And I'm going to show you the video on how to do it. And I'm going to walk you through. I'm going to tell you the value of why you should do it. I'm going to point you to people you can buy those attachments from. Now, because you're pointing them to people you can buy those attachments from, you're not making any money as a lawnmower salesperson, but what you're doing is you're adding value to the person you're speaking to. Hey, look, if you buy this lawnmower, you're gonna get customer support, you're gonna get these stories and and and, and, and uh, content elements, whether they're videos or Facebook posts or blog articles or what have you, about how to make your lawnmower better, how to make it make your life better. Maybe you even sponsor some articles where you talk about how the a, a, a well mowed lawn is the basis for a very attractive house and how buying a lawnmower will help you increase your curb appeal which will help you sell your house or whatever you're adding value for the life of the lawnmower purchaser that's non-recruitment marketing that's consumer content marketing it's all about adding value you're there to provide value and by providing value reciprocal they will come and buy from you that's the trick that's that's content marketing now for you it's a little different recruitment marketing is less about adding value that there's something to that though I will say I would like to call a moratorium on all tips and tricks on how to interview I think there have been enough books and videos and classes and and I know people who do them professionally and they're fantastic at them but um, the recruiter saying hey you should spell check your resume really can we not expend the bits on the internet to exchange that that piece of information that everyone should know and has been explained a million times already? Let's not make a million and one. If you're going to talk about tips and tricks, talk about tips and tricks for your company. What's it really like to interview at your company? If it's if I'm going to go interview at Google and I know or I've heard that it's like a seven-stage interview process, what are the stages? Who should I be expecting to talk to? What are they going to be looking for? Do I have to dress up? Is there value in dressing up? Should I show early? Should I? It's Google. Do I need to bring printed copies of my resume, or do you have all my information about you know everything I've ever done in my emails since the beginning of time? What do I need to do? That can be useful because it's something that you can provide as Google in this case, even though you're probably not, that other people cannot. The bland, boring stuff about spell check your resume, blah 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 blah. Get rid of it. Don't don't I, don't I don't like that. So really, your job is not so much to provide value. Your job is to provide the information that helps illuminate and 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 illustrate who you are as a company. When people make choices about where they're working, your job is to reveal who you really are. That's all of it. That's the entire content strategy is to reveal who you are so that someone can say properly with enough information that is absolutely the company I want to work for or, oh my God, no, please get me out of this room. (laughs) 
whatever, right? Go back to hell yeah or hell no. That's what a content strategy is. It's supposed to provide enough information that someone goes hell yeah or hell no or whatever four-letter word you want to put before no. It's your call. Um, you know, I don't know where you're listening. You could be on a bus. You could be hanging out with your kids. I don't know what you're doing. So anyway, that's, the, that's, that's a content strategy is to simply provide enough information so that people go, I get it. I don't want it, but I get it. Or, oh yeah, I really want that because I get it. But if you don't, because most companies don't or are very bad at it, providing enough information, they, you know, they keep those cards very close to the chest. They don't reveal who they are. Or they put it through so many filters like communications and HR and legal and marketing and all these other players have something to say to the point where they gloss over anything revealing or interesting so that what you're saying is what everybody says. Um, that's not a value. You need to talk about who you really are. And that's been the most interesting part of the last couple years in this space is that between social media and the, and the iPhones and Androids, that are the supercomputers sitting in our pockets, the ability to tell that authentic story has never been easier or more expected, right? So I've had conversations with large, large companies, and these are companies with uh, their own video production houses. I mean, we're talking commercial quality. In fact, they make their commercials in-house. They're fantastic commercials. I'm not going to tell you who. Um, and they had that expectation that if you ever say anything to the public, it had to meet that, and I'm putting my hand above my head. They had to have that level of production quality. They wanted Super Bowl commercial, whether it was just a, hey, let's talk to people who work here level of conversation, but it had to have a polished, well-lit, well-miked, well-edited, the proper pre and post roll. Um, the, the, the Chiron had to be exactly the right font and the exact, exact right font letting and spacing and have, you know, all the colors are exactly right that it had to look like a commercial. In which case, you're setting the bar so high that you have to drop a couple grand just to show up at a store and, and have that conversation, to record that conversation. And when you spend that kind of money, what you do is you go, well, I don't want to have that conversation and waste my money. I better plan that conversation. I better make sure I'm getting proper information out of that conversation, i.e. I'm getting usable footage because otherwise you're wasting thousands of dollars to collect information you can't use. So consequently, you script it and you prepare the person so that when they do show up to the glossy studio or you do show up to that space and you set up your light rigs and your, your cameras and stuff and you do record that information, it looks so glossy and it feels so glossy and it is inauthentic and it's worthless. You might have gotten quote-unquote usable material, but no one is going to believe that because it looks too glossy. It looks too marketing. So what's nice about what we've changed is the expectation is you don't need to drop thousands and thousands of dollars to record a good video. I know people who have spent $300 on a 360-degree camera because they can mail it from office to office, record the office, do 360 shots like a like a Google uh, Street View kind of thing, and then say, this is what the office is really like. And there are jokes in it, and there's funny things in it, whatever. But it's 300 bucks. You got 300 bucks in your budget somewhere. Don't take a half a trip. I mean, you know, don't, uh, don't drop one of those Facebook ads. Whatever. There's money in the budget. There is money in the banana stand, right? So you're there to reveal the information and make it authentic as possible. And people kind of freak out when they start to have these conversations because they go, I don't know what to say. There's so many stories I could say or so many things I could say. And marketing says I should say this and never say this. And comms says I should say this and never say this. And legal says I should say this and never say this. And if this sounds familiar, I feel your pain because I get that 100%. I'm, I'm very often in similar situations. 
But that doesn't mean you have to or should be telling junk stories. If your job, if your content strategy is to reveal yourself so that people can make a proper decision about who you are, you need to reveal those stories. So I start by sending people to recruitingcontentframework.com, which is a thing I built a year and a half, something like that, two years ago. Uh, and it's a very simple framework so that you can start to use it to say, okay, what should I be building? Or if I have a piece of content, does it fit? Does it fit within the broader content strategy? And, th and the framework is really simple. Let's, you know, just because I call it a framework doesn't mean it's worthy of any kind of Nobel Prize. If you've got one, I'll take it, but you know, whatever. The idea is simple. Know your audience, know the position of the audience, and know what format you're gonna put that content in. Those are the three pieces of information you need. Meaning, if you're talking to an audience, what, who is the audience? Are you talking to entry level? Are you talking to senior? Are you talking to developers? Are you talking to lawyers? Are you talking to accountants? Are you talking to um, cash register people? Are you talking to people in the South or people in the North? You're talking to people in the US, you're talking to people in Netherlands. Who are you talking to? Who is your audience? What are you trying to do? Is the role highly technical? Does it require certification and education? Or is it something where you don't need those things? It's about attitude or aptitudes. What is the, who are the people you're trying to read? reach who are the people you care about who is your audience and as i said many times marketing is easy it's simply a matter of whoever knows the audience better wins so know your audience who are you trying to reach with this story if you're telling a story about how two people who work for you were at a baseball game and they saved the life of someone who was choking on a hot dog that's a cool story i guess but for whom is that story being told I think one of the biggest issues most larger companies have with content strategy is they get this thing called an editorial calendar and they see it and they say, oh, we have to post Facebook four times a week and we, oh, we have to post a tweet twice a day and oh, we have to have a new blog post once a week. And what they do is they go scrambling for content and they take any, to any kind of story that says, yeah, this was done by our employees, so let's go ahead and put this up. And they write the story up and they get the copy editor and they find a photo and they run it through the process and maybe an agency's involved and maybe an agency's not involved. Either way, it's a very long, arduous, painful, annoying process, and they post the content up there, and because it's not connected to a particular audience, it doesn't get read. It just kind of sits there and, and takes up space on their Facebook channel, and that's too bad because they spent time and energy doing it, but they didn't know who the audience was they were trying to reach. Consequently, it was bland, it didn't connect to anybody, and meh. Simple as that right? You need to know who your audience is. Then you need to know the position. And I don't need the position of the opportunity or the position of the role you're trying to fill. I'm talking about the position of the audience. Are you trying to reach people at the top of the funnel who have no idea who you are? Or are you trying to reach people who you've already interviewed and are in the stage of trying to decide, should I take this offer? What is the position of that person? Understand where they are. Finally, what's the format? Is this going to be a Facebook post? Is this going to be an article? Is it going to be a video? Is that video going to live on Facebook or LinkedIn or your blog or all three or just two of them or why? Maybe you could throw that thing on YouTube. Maybe you throw it on Vimeo. Maybe you throw it on Snapchat. Maybe you throw it on Instagram. There's lots of places you could be throwing that video or that blog post or that quip or that quote or that testimonial. Where do they live? When you see it on Facebook, Facebook being Facebook, it adds context to that piece of information that... Twitter or your blog or your corporate site or your job site would not add similar context. So you have to understand the format and, the, and where it's living. Understand those three things and you can say, okay, if I understand those three things, where do I need help? Well, I'm, I'm opening up an office in uh, Phoenix and I need to hire uh, I don't know, 50 salespeople. 
which means I need people who are about, uh, let's say, 23 to 28 years old who have a little experience working a phone and uh, maybe a college degree. I think that's important. Yeah, let's say, let's say we'll decide that we want a college degree or decide we don't. Your call. It's your company. I don't care. Um, and that they're very engaged in sales. Right? Or they're very, you know, they're very sports oriented or they're very competition oriented or what have you. You and they don't know who you are because you're a relatively new office in that space and, and no one thinks of your company in that in that Phoenix area. So consequently you have to build some brand awareness. You have to get people to see uh, be in a position that when they're scrolling a job ad and they see your want ad on LinkedIn or Indeed or Career Builder or wherever, they don't go. Uh, whatever. That's not for this area. They go, oh, I had heard something positive about these people. I want to learn more. Top of the funnel. That's your story. That's what you're trying to do. So consequently, you have a five-minute video that talks about what it's like to work here. Where do you put it? Well, first off, trick question. No one cares. <laughs> Brand awareness is not built on five-minute videos. They're built on snappy, direct, hey, that's interesting in content. Whether it's, hey, we are selling something, we're selling something useful, hey, someone got promoted, hey, we build careers, whatever your reason for being, whatever your, you know, your story is, how do you tell it quickly? Because these people don't know you, they don't owe you jack, and they are going to skim right past that Facebook post unless they have a reason to stick around. And I can guarantee you that unless you've got Steven Spielberg shooting a video with Christopher Walken and Brad Pitt and uh, Ryan Reynolds was the, I don't know, someone from a Laguna Beach thing show or whatever, I don't know. Unless you've got famous people in it, nobody's going to care. Unless you're cooking a really cool recipe for cheesecake, no one's going to care. And even if it's cheesecake, it's like a 45-second tops. You don't have content worth sitting around for five minutes for, especially when no one knows you. A five-minute video as to why people who work for you stay for a very long time and find very successful careers, that's much better suited for people at the interview stage. They've just about to interview. They just interviewed. They're thinking about an offer. It's more in-depth. It's more meaningful. They already have a sense that you're interesting or they're somewhat invested in you, and then they're willing to spend five minutes. So if you've got a piece of content that's five minute long video and you're trying to create brand awareness, you have a gap. You have a problem. One will not solve the other's problem. The video will not help you create brand awareness. It just won't. Chop that video down to 15 seconds. Now we're talking. Make a couple tweets or a couple quotes out of that. Okay, that's a thing. Turn it into an article. Take, a, take the, uh, the, the transcript of that video and turn it into an article. Maybe. That's how you think about it. What's the piece of content and is it solving the problem based on the concept of audience, position, and format? Simple as that. Congratulations, you are now a genius and, and certified in the James Ellis model of content framework and content strategy. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. The problem is, is when they, the agency brings you that editorial calendar, you feel like you have to fill it with space, fill it full of stuff. That's a perpetual thing. And, it, it, and content is a perpetual thing, but not the way an agency would sell it to you. And trust me, I know, because I used to sell it to you. I used to be in an agency model. I used to do exactly that thing. I built an entire team about you know content and inbound marketing and social marketing. And trust me, it was my job to get you on the hook at 60, 80, 100, 120,000 a year forever. Sorry, that was my job. That's what they paid me to do. Um, I wasn't 100% successful, not a big deal. Trust me, I was successful because co companies needed the content. And what we did is we, we, you know, we made sure that they were on the hook for it. And that's why I'm saying right now, you don't need the agency to do it properly. 
you can do it on your own. So what happens is the agency goes, okay, my job here is not to tell your story. My job here is not to build content. My job here is to take as much share of your wallet as humanly possible. You know that, right? And that's everything they do. Every dinner they invite you to, every uh, you know, every every freebie they give you, every piece of information they give you, every educational webinar they give you. It's all there to help you say, yes, take a larger share of my wallet. We all know these things, right? This is not a shocker. I'm not revealing anything, right? But so consequently, they make tools that make it feel like I have to spend one hundred and twenty thousand or eighty thousand dollars every single year for the rest of my life to make content happen, and that's not true. A content strategy should be perpetual, but that doesn't mean it has to be always on. It doesn't mean you have to always fill a space. The editorial calendar, the trick of the editorial calendar is that it makes it feel makes you feel like you have to fill the space. And the truth is about social media, especially social media, and recruiting content especially, is that it's better to tell no story than to tell a bad story. Consequently, your job is to not tell a story every week. Your job is to find a good story, and when the story reveals itself, tell the story as soon as you can. And if it's another month or three before the next story, that's okay. Because we're not selling a doohickey. We're not selling a lawnmower. We're not selling the 2018 version of a, of a Toyota whatever. By, yo, I'm not even going to get into that one. Your, your, your content doesn't have to be topical at the level of this is really hot. This isn't, you, you don't need to have a hot take on your jobs, right? No one cares about your hot take on anything. Jobs are long processes. Even if you're talking about hiring these crazy millennial kids and their job hopping ways, and I'm using air quotes so liberally you can't believe it, it's still a long process. They still take time. You, don't, you can use content from two years ago to sell someone on your company. It helps if you can support it with something relatively recent, but no one expects you to be publishing a newsletter every two days about all the amazing things your company did because it doesn't matter. It doesn't care. It doesn't work. It's not important. Remember, people aren't searching for things like they're buying a car today. They're looking for jobs long-term. They want to know what the long-term of your business is all about, long-term of working for you is. They don't need content from yesterday. They need content that matters to them. And if it was written six months ago, that's fine. That's fine. At the same time, you don't need perpetual content every two weeks. You don't need to fill that editorial calendar. There's no void that needs to be filled. Frankly, if you're smart and you realize that what social media is is an opportunity to spam an audience, you realize, I'm only going to talk to them when I have something relevant and valuable to them. Meaning, just because your two staffers saved somebody from choking in a baseball game doesn't mean you have to stop the presses and tell everybody about it because nobody cares. I mean... Those people care, but that's it. Their families care, and that's it. Unless it's finding a way to reveal who you are as a company, and even then, you don't have to stop the presses to tell them. Tell them eventually. Use it as a supporting anecdote to your broader idea, who you are as a company, what your employer brand is, right? So I'm going to take a sip of coffee, and then we're going to come back to understanding how to build that content strategy and what it really looks like. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow 
is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. All right, that's good coffee. All right, so, like I said, the editorial calendar's myth is that it says you have to fill it full. You have to tweet X number of times a day or a week. You have to build X number of pieces of content every day, week, month, whatever. And that's a lie. It's a myth. Here's how I know that. Let's take, remember, the, the strategy is simply to reveal who you are, to reveal and illustrate your true employer brand. We're going to assume you've done all the steps it takes to understand your employer brand and you've got your employer brand and you need to figure out how to reveal it in a way that it makes sense to your audience, all your different various audiences, entry level to senior director uh, and everywhere in between, how to tell, how to reveal your brand to that audience. I'm going to make that crystal clear. How do you do it? Well, you tell stories. So you can tell stories over a long period of time, and they can be very valuable. You can abide by that agency model. You can say, look, we're going to tell stories every three days or every week about who we are, all these different ways, because that's how much we mean it. We're investing in that kind of content. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, so long as you're not spamming anybody. That's fine. And companies have been incredibly successful creating positive content that illustrates their employer brand. You take a Wegmans, which is a regional grocery store here in the U.S., Super well known for these are people who people who work here love working there. I mean, they love working there, and they've been building content one form or another for a very long time. It's the only grocery store I know that has a catalog that it rolls out once or twice a year, I'm talking about the things they do and the people who work for them and the and the foods that you could buy. Trader Joe's has a flyer every month or two or so. This is a catalog. Wegmans built a catalog. It looks like the rest of rest, uh, Restoration Hardware catalog. It looks like a phone booth. For those of you who don't remember a phone booth, or not a phone booth, a phone book. For those of you who don't remember what a phone book is, I'll let you Google it. It's a monster of a catalog for something for like a grocery store. That's it's crazy, but it's just there to tell stories. And because the content is long-lasting, it's in a catalog. It sits in people's homes for weeks, sometimes months. Being reinforced by the touch points of showing up to the grocery store and meeting smiling people who work there, you don't have to tell a lot of stories. But they've been, and they don't do it a lot of stories. But those stories they tell have a huge half life, and they're bolstered by these tiny little touch points of showing up and seeing smiling, helpful, friendly people at the grocery store. This is not an instant strategy. This is a long-term strategy. It's very effective. On the other side, you can have an incredibly powerful negative story. And I think of our friends at Uber who are trying desperately to change things around, but then this week reveal huge data breach from back when they were run by Travis and company. Man, Dara cannot catch a break. But that's a, yes, they've had a solid year of nothing but heartbreaking, brutal, mean, near evil stories about how horrible this brand is. A year's worth of story. Even with a new CEO, it's going to take them a long time to turn that boat around. They've had a lot of different content, a lot of different stories, a lot of different news reports, a lot of different touch points in which you go, ugh, Uber, man, ugh, I don't want to work for them. Or maybe you go, yeah, oh, that's definitely who they are. But you have to kind of wrestle with this sense of, oh, the CEO is a jerk, and oh, they broke laws, and oh, they were pretty, you know, pretty, uh, uh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Duplicitous? Is that how I pronounce that? Um, no, I don't think that's 100% right. Um, where where they're, they're saying one thing and doing another and they're not opening up the company and they're not being transparent and they're lying and all that fun stuff. That's a negative employer brand built over time. That wasn't one story that created that perception. It was a series of stories about sexual harassment and lying to governments and lying to regulators and screaming at employees and, 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 and. It's a long-term content strategy. Now, one would presume that's not much of a strategy, <laughs> that no one got paid to do that, let's hope, but that's how that works. Long-term, you can build that. But it doesn't mean you have to embrace this and do it only long-term. You can do some incredibly powerful things short-term. I'm going to go positive and negative again. I'm going to give you the negative one first. Think of our friend at United, one story removed all that positive brand impression. One story about how they kicked a guy off a plane and beat him up in the process. Taken on video, shot onto Facebook, and shared with everybody. It, one tiny little content element, and I'm using air quotes because that's what it is, one tiny content element, and by the way, one they spun horribly. Everything from they were doing their job to uh, this is our this is standard process standard operating procedure um, could not could not make this story worse. They kept you know they kept going like for a week they didn't quite get how bad this story was and they kept kind of doubling down about no this is completely okay and then they finally kind of went you know what you're right this is a horrible horrible thing and anybody who's a human being would say what are you doing over there one story tips over millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of effort time and energy resources committed to telling you how customer centric they were there's another great article I think it's on BuzzFeed somewhere where a CEO what happened was the story is this and I think I may have told the story I can't remember very quickly Someone said, an employee, you know, uh, uh, not maybe not a low-level employee, but certainly a rank-and-file employee said, "Hey, I'm taking today off. I need a, I need a mental health day." Pass, you know, sent that email to their boss, like you do, and the boss passed it up to the CEO of this company, and the CEO responded to everyone saying, "Hey." You know what? I totally get why you need to take a mental health day, and thank you for being brave enough to show us how important it is to occasionally to to be self-aware enough to know when you need them and in taking them. Now. You wouldn't expect a CEO to say that. And by doing so, the CEO is truly revealing who this company is. We care about our employees. And that one little email, I think it's like two or three sentences long, got shared and, and had so much social traction because that one little story illustrated who that company was. It was shocking. It was surprising. It was unusual. It was interesting. It was revealing. And it, that one story, that company does not need to do much in terms of its content strategy for its employer brand for a long time. It will be effectively eating and drinking off that story for a very long time. You can do amazing things off that one small story if it is interesting and surprising and engaging and revealing. If you have a story like that, that it's all four of those things, you might be good for a while. Tell that, share it, and you, you might be good. If it's something that people can remember for a long time, you're good. Remember, your job is not to fill Twitter. Your job is not to fill a blog. Your job is to reveal who you really are. And if you can do that in three sentences, do it. <laughs> Don't go spending $80,000 on agency fees every single year to churn out stuff that kind of sort of reveals who you kind of sort of are, who you think you are, who you want people to think you are. 
If you really get authentic, you just need the one. Um, I'll, I'll show shoot. I'll put that article in the this this next one in the show notes. Uh, Audra Audra Knight over Tenable, who I've already thanked profusely, but <laughs> drop another name here, right? Um, sent me a video of a company that had zero dress code, but they did it in such a way that like the CEO is wearing a shirt where the chest is cut out and he's wearing pasties. Um, he, they're literally, they have these little short little talking head videos of the worst outfits in the world, really embracing this thing. Like, like no, we're really that goofy. We, we, we you know, we're, we're not only saying we, we are committed to no dress code, which is kind of a, you know, okay, I guess that's a thing. That's important to many people, um, but not necessarily always a deal breaker, but to do it in such a way and saying it in such a way that's revealing about who they are. They are goofy. They don't take themselves seriously. It's a, and you can tell it was recorded in a day, not on a great camera, not on a great lighting setup. They shot it for fun, and it's incredibly hilarious. It's incredibly revealing. That's a useful tool of telling that story. So if you have a question, have you have a decision to make where you say, okay, I need to reveal who I am, and it's the end of the year, so maybe you're making some big 2018 plans, and you sit down and you think, hmm, how do I reveal who I am? And you have the opportunity to say, I can write an article once a week all year telling all these different little stories. That is a strategy. It is a valid strategy so long as it is truly connected to the brand and is truly revealing who you are and is authentic as humanly possible and connects to both the audience, the position, and the format of who you're trying to reach. Do it. Great. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a content strategy. Do that. However, if you also think about it enough, and what's the, the, the Mark Twain uh, joke? I'm sorry this letter was so long, but I didn't have time to write a shorter one. If you have the opportunity to sit down and think, truly think for like a couple of days about what you want people to think about your employer brand, what you want them to know about you, and you think, what's one way in which I can reveal that that is unusual and surprising and authentic and real? and shareable and interesting. Is it a video? Is it that CEO story? Is it talking about, maybe it is two of your employees saving the life of, of someone choking on a hot dog at a ball game. Maybe it is. Maybe that really connects so deeply to your employer, employer brand. You do that. Think about it really hard and tell the one story that truly focuses who you are. And you can find out later that you can bolster and support and augment over time, but you need kind of that one story that everybody knows. Think of Google, every, you know, to invoke the, the, the big old G. Everybody knows the story of the employee perks. Everybody knows that you get all the food you want and all the M&Ms you want and the coffee you want. And they probably did that in one story. They don't, I probably haven't talked about that. They haven't talked about that sort of thing in years. They haven't had to. Everybody knows that story. What they do is they add and augment to that over time. They talk about uh, the new offices, and they talk about uh, career growth, and they talk about you know, um, what you can learn and all the other parts of you know, Google and why you might want to work there. They, but they don't change that one kind of crown jewel of a story. That's something you can use for a very, very, very long time. You just kind of support it. So when you're planning your 2018 recruiting content strategy, take some time. Your job is not to fill an editorial calendar. Your job is not to find a way to help your agency spend all your money. Your job is to reveal who you are. And that can happen any number of ways. If you're not focused on it, if you don't think about it, it will be revealed accidentally, a la Uber. <laughs> in ways that you may not be 
thrilled with. Or if you're very cognizant and intentional about it, you can find a way to tell one or two stories that have such an impact on people, it t changes the narrative of who you are and what your company's all about and why people would want to work there such that the rest of your time is spent supporting that idea. That's how you build a content strategy. So with that, I'm closing up. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'll see you next week. I have no idea what I'm talking about next week, but that's the fun of this, isn't it? Thanks for reviewing us. Thanks for sharing us. Uh, thanks to everybody who talks about this. I, I can't say enough. I can't thank you all enough. I do appreciate it. Um, appreciate Ian Hamilton for, for saying nice things about me. And you know what? You guys have been great. Thank you so much for listening. I, can, I will likely forget lots of people by trying to thank individuals. So uh, keep tuning in. Keep sharing. I appreciate it. And if you have ideas of what you'd like me to talk about next i am all ears always love to hear always love to hear ways i can help so with that i'm gonna hit the button that says stops recording and i will see you next week bye how much do you understand the future of finance i'm jim roos a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast banking transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology join me as i interview industry experts thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.